Are you bored living a mediocre life? We were too, and we know how to change that. Each week, we'll leave our comfort zones to explore a new topic, then step onto our soapboxes, a safe space to sound off on our latest adventure. Come explore with us. All opinions are welcome. This is a mindset. This is a lifestyle. This is Siren Soapbox. Hello, fellow explorers. Welcome to Siren Soapbox. We're on a mission to explore beyond comfort zones, and we're really starting to make waves. Ready to take the first step outside of your comfort zone? Dive into SirenSoapbox.com, where you'll find links to our blog, magazine, YouTube channel, and movie club. So many ways to explore. Pick one today and experience life outside of your comfort zone. There is an old saying that goes, laughter is the best medicine. While there are actual studies on the amazing effects of laughter for your mind and body, what about for the people tasked with the challenge to have to create laughter? The sirens had to find out as we were challenged by longtime listener, first time poster, Bill. Bill, thank you for the challenge and for being on our show again. I'm gonna hand it over to you so you can share your challenge with our listeners. Okay, this is the challenge I sent in. Uh, I have a whole bag full of challenges and ideas for your excellent show. Here is one. Five minutes of stand-up. I don't mean for you to just stand up there for five minutes, though I suppose that is part of it. I mean that I'm challenging you to go to an open mic night at a comedy club and tell jokes for five minutes. I'm not asking for original material. It can be the oldest and corniest jokes ever, but you have to tell jokes. As anyone who knows me will tell you, I love comedy. In particular, I love stand-up comedy. In fact, it's been said that I've never met a joke I didn't like, which is pretty much true. And I love telling ridiculous jokes too, over and over again. If a joke was funny the first time, it will be even funnier the 62nd time. My mother thought I was hilarious. I used to tell her jokes that would get her laughing so hard, I was worried she was gonna die from a heart attack. Instead, she died from cancer. Now she doesn't laugh at my jokes anymore because she's dead from cancer. By the way, I also love dark humor. There are many open mic nights here on the continent, so getting on stage should not be a problem. If you live on a rock in the middle of the sea, like two of the sirens do, it might be more of a challenge. Apparently, life is pretty damn funny on the island already because there are no comedy clubs there. And when I say the island, I'm referring to St. Croix and Hawaii, where two of uh, the sirens are living. But there are a bunch of places that play live music. And I would suggest talking to a bar manager or a musical group and ask them for five minutes before the band plays one of these nights as a bit of a warm up for the crowd. Remember, the real heroes don't wear capes or even uniforms for that matter. The real heroes are those who can make us laugh when we might feel like crying. So be a hero and get your funny tales on the stage. But first, if at any time the conversation gets too intense, this safe word is... Mango. Mango. First up on her soapbox is Murph. So I had mixed feelings about this challenge when I heard about it. I've always felt a strange pull to be in the spotlight and I've often found myself daydreaming about being a radio show host or a news anchor. I really want to be the voice of a cartoon character. And every once in a while, I would even picture myself on stage making people laugh, but that's as far as it ever went. I mean, obviously I'm funny, (laughs) 
duh. But going up on stage with the purpose of making people laugh is flipping scary. It's not like sitting around telling jokes to your friends. It seems easy to come up with a witty remark during like a normal conversation, but to actually write several jokes and work at making people laugh, that's scary as hell. I would have probably never pursued stand-up comedy if it weren't for this challenge. And I'm pretty thankful that I did. I finished writing my set the weekend before we performed on stage at Go Bananas, which is here in Cincinnati. I practiced it a lot, but never in front of anyone. So I had no idea if other people would think my stories were funny like I did. The day of the show, my stomach was in knots all day, and I felt like I was going to vomit while we were sitting in the parking lot waiting for the doors to open. Later, when they called my name on stage and I walked up there, I immediately felt at home. I forgot a couple of the lines, but I did make people laugh. And the experience was just incredible. And the rush was unlike anything I've ever experienced. I am hooked. In fact, I found a place that does open mic comedy on Tuesdays pretty close to my house. And I'm planning to go this week. I think I'll do the same set this week so I can work on perfecting it a bit. And my voice coach, by the way, is ecstatic about this. He said that focusing on writing words to make people laugh will make me a better voiceover artist and voice actor. So thank you, Bill, for submitting this challenge. Sara, how did you like this challenge? Well, I think I made it pretty clear quite a few times that this challenge was a tough one for me. It might have been a clue when I said that I'd rather die than get on stage and try to make people laugh for five minutes. I mean, I seriously fantasized about terrible things happening to me to get out of it. I don't like being the center of attention, and I've always hated the thought that people were laughing at me ever since I was a little kid in school. So purposely getting on stage to make people laugh at me just seemed really insane. I have to confess that I gave very serious thought to men going out of this one. It was, in my mind, an option right up to about a day or so before we went on stage, honestly. At least that's how I consoled myself every time I freaked out thinking about doing it. To prepare for my debut stage appearance, I had to get some material together. Now you'd think that living with the uh, comedic genius that is my husband, Bill, that this would have been an easy task. But I have a terrible memory, so I couldn't remember any of his jokes. So I had to sit down with my team of writers Also, Bill and I watched some of our favorite comedians on, on uh, the evenings, in the evenings after dinner and stuff, just to kind of get a feel for the different styles of delivery. When it came time to head to go, bana- to go bananas and uh, get up on stage, part of me really couldn't believe that I was actually going to do it. It was all a little surreal. I had my material mostly memorized, but I was worried that I was going to forget it all. And then they were going through all the order that we were going to be appearing, and I had this panicky moment because now they were giving me two damn names that I had to remember. I had to remember the name before me and then the name coming up after me and how was I supposed to remember everything else that I was supposed to say. But anyway, I didn't trip going up on stage and I kind of remembered my jokes and I did get some good laughs and I didn't die. It was actually pretty fun after the first couple of minutes. There is something cool about getting a reaction from the crowd and I can see how it could become something that people enjoy. Now, I'm not sure that I could have done it without the support and encouragement from Bill and all of the sirens, but uh, this was definitely a tough one to do. Jess, was this in your comfort zone? This challenge was so far out of my comfort zone, it may, may as well have happened on another planet. I did it though. 
there are some challenges for sure to living on an island and one of those being that we don't have any comedy clubs so i didn't really want to do an online stand-up because i felt like the atmosphere would be weird and not really be the same i looked around online and i did find an open mic sketch comedy called cold reads on oozebear.com i was super nervous when i signed up so i asked if i could just listen for that night and explained what our challenge was and that I want to kick Bill in the shin. But Brian, the man running the session, said I should be fine to just listen. He then told me the way it works is someone comes in with a sketch, and then they pick a couple people to cold read it, meaning they have never read it before and didn't have time to read it before that exact moment. It just so happened that they asked me to read it. So no sitting on the sidelines for me. The interesting part is that the sketch that we had to read, though, was written by AI, so it tied into another episode. Made me feel a little bit better. After we read the sketch, there was a little bit of open discussion, and then they went into another sketch that was improvised. They just kept building off the first sketch for the next hour, and I was asked to play a couple more parts and improvise my lines. I had to say that it was super hard, and I'm super impressed with the creativity of everyone that was in the session. I felt like I was holding them back. But it was an interesting experience, and the folks at Cold Reads are very nice and very supportive of me. And they were all so creative. I don't think it's something that I will do again, simply because I don't think I can come up with stuff as quickly as they did. But I am proud of myself for doing it, and especially doing something that was so far out of my comfort zone, I considered mine going. Elsie, have you ever been to Go Bananas before your challenge? Well, when I turned 21, I would go to Go Bananas several times a year for years. I've always wanted to do open mic night and never thought I could do it. So I'd like to thank Bill for the challenge and to Chris for taking the time to coach us. It was indescribably cool to be on the same stage where I watched the legendary Mitch Hedgeberg perform. I'd like to think I'm a generally funny person and comedy is my go-to genre. Land of the Lost is my favorite comedy movie. However, it is a whole new ballgame when you have to come up with the material yourself out of thin air. I'm not afraid to do public speaking. Hell, I used to do public speaking every week underwater from inside a shark tank, and this was scarier. What if I forgot what to say or if no one laughs? My first draft was generic. It was all about the 80s and how much things have changed since then, like Michael Jackson or Bruce Jenner and how the government now wants us to do drugs and that aliens are real. And remember when calculator watches were dorky and it's the patent look for an Apple Watch today. After listening to what Chris had to say and running my original script past my family, I changed it up to a few short personal stories. It was probably funnier because it actually happened to me and it was easier to remember because I did it in chronological order, said it when I was up on stage. To practice, my husband and son listened to my act at least 25 times in a row with a makeshift mic and flashlights as a spotlight to make the experience as realistic as possible. It certainly helped. However, I don't think I can quite explain the nerves going into it or the rush after. I think I might need a 12-step program because I'm addicted to getting more laughs. Having sirens Murr and Sarah and friends Jess or Jen and Jenny, Jess was, you were there spiritually, I'm sure. <laughs> Jen and Jenny were there to make the experience so special. I'm not sure I could have done it without them. I also did stand up online on Eventbrite with Bring Your Own Jokes Open Mic because I wanted to support TC in a similar way. By the way, TC, you owe me.
doubly. You know what that means. <laughs> it was oh, cool. I know. <laughs> it was cool that people that don't have the opportunity to be stand up in person can do it online. It was a totally different experience, though. I was not nervous, and it was awkward looking at only my face while performing. Not nearly the rush of adrenaline. However, it was a great group of very supportive and funny people. TC, I get to see you knock it out of the park. Were you looking forward to doing this challenge? This was the most difficult challenge for me so far. Almost, not quite, almost 100 episodes. And this is the one I dreaded the most. And when I really dread something, I often wait until the very last minute to do it. All growing up, I can't even tell you how many papers that I wrote into the wee hours of the morning, and then my mom would stay up even later and type them for me. It's proof that today, Tracy, gives no regard to tomorrow, Tracy. And so I did my stand-up comedy routine today. I have done a lot of public speaking, and while I do get that nerve-sided feeling before I present, I'm much more comfortable doing that than standing up in front of a bunch of people and trying to be funny. I can teach, but can I make people laugh? Yikes. And so I did my stand-up comedy act online through a group called Bring Your Own Jokes, online open mic. And this group was lovely. They were so supportive. They laughed and they sent me positive comments in the chat. I recommend this group if you decide to get out of your comfort zone in a comedic way. So I decided to talk about life on an island because it's ridiculous. My topic was island life and it's how it's not at all how I envisioned the Caribbean when I was young. I was a little worried that other people would not understand and would not relate to it. And as we were taught during our private lesson with Chris, the goal is for the audience to relate. So I moved forward though anyway, and I wrote my spiel. I practiced and I practiced again. Then I rewrote and practiced some more. I showed up, I did some comedy, and you know what? People laughed. Chris Steamer's life motto is make someone smile, laugh, laugh, laugh. And that is what he helped the sirens do during our own private comedy lesson. Chris has affectionately been described as the Midwest's most endearing moral degenerate. But if you ask him, he's just misunderstood. With stories and musings from his own misfortune and woe, Chris tells it like he sees it with vivid imagery and little to no apologies. With appearances at... Get ready for the list. Cincy Brouhaha, Crossroads Comedy Festival, Arch City Comedy Festival, Whiskey Bear Comedy Festival, Gilda's Laugh Fest, Let's Fest, and Motor City Comedy Festival. Chris has been making a splash in the Midwest stand-up scene and is a regular feature at Go Bananas Comedy Club in Cincinnati, Ohio. Sirens, please join me in welcoming Chris Seamer to this episode of Siren Soapbox. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks, guys. Good to be here. Well, I was going to say, first of all, congratulations to all of you. I mean, I know how outside of everybody's comfort zone this really starts out as. Um, so, but I know the, of the three that I saw, everyone did really, really well. And uh, just congratulations, everybody. You should be proud of yourselves. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Chris, we're curious about that moment in your life that you thought to yourself, I'm a funny guy. Can you tell us how you got started? 
Uh, yeah, I, I started doing comedy about a little over 10 years ago. Um, uh, my wife had just left me for my best friend, and I thought, well, that's hilarious. I should tell people about that. <laughs> and uh, I started doing stand-up right then, uh, you know, five minutes at a time. I was sort of okay, or at least not crying. And, uh, you know, after that, it, went, it kept going and kept going. And uh, it was just, man, I think every one of you know that feeling that you got when you set something up, you hit the mark, and people laugh where they were supposed to. I know you know what that felt like. And I know you know the pool of that now. And it is intoxicating. So um, 10 years later, I'm still chasing after that dragon constantly. That was one of the questions I had for you. Do you still feel that like adrenaline rush when you're performing? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, even if it's even if it's at an open mic where, you know, literally not a whole lot of stakes. I mean, you're going up there and trying something new that really at an open mic, like at my level, is like I'm probably going to do, I'm probably going to say something that doesn't work because it has to go through so much. So Mary, you mentioned that you're going to go and do the same act and try and perfect it. Wonderful. That's the, that's the best advice I could give anyone. Try and get concise to the point and then add back in stuff that's, that makes it funny or gives it more flavor or whatever. But you know, trim out all the fat and then get right to the joke and then add things back in. But, you know, my, when I first started, I thought, oh, you got to have new stuff every time. Right. And that's so counterproductive of what you're trying to do. There's jokes that I've been doing for four or five years. I still find something new or some new way of doing it, you know, so they're not done yet. Right. I mean, they're, it's like a living document. It keeps, it keeps getting adjusted the whole thing. Yeah, Mark and I were talking about that recently because if you go to see a stand-up comedian like on tour, they tell the same, it's basically the same set in every city they go to, just like a mm-hmm. if you're going to a music show. Absolutely. Yeah, there's gonna be a little bit of difference doing, here and there, but not much. When I was doing my thing today, I had it all written out and I practiced it and practiced it and I practiced some, I practiced it a couple of times in front of Dean and I practiced it by myself when I did it and people laughed, it kind of caught me off guard. I, I didn't like <laughs> practice in any pauses for laughter. It didn't even occur yeah. to me that people, I, I'm just like, and then I say this sentence and then people started laughing and I was like, whoa, what just happened there? It was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, what you're talking about there is, is flow. Um, right. So I think the best for me, um, you know, I, I do personal stories as well, stuff that, you know, generally happened to me because that's easier to remember. Um, I, I think typically that's the best thing for me to respond to, but I think the, the best stand-up comedy that I see is when it feels like it's a two-way conversation between you as an audience member and the performer on stage. It just hasn't been your turn to talk yet. So you're a part of the conversation, even though you haven't had any input yet, you're still very engaged. I mean, it's because of the way that the person on stage is performing and, and engaging with the audience i mean it's just if you if you're a conversative person by nature then that helps to be more i guess um natural and that's just more about just being relatable right you want to relate to the people in the in the crowd so to me that's uh to making them feel comfortable so before your life completely changed have you thought about doing stand-up here and there you know, um, I was always like the funny person in the group of friends or whatever, but, you know, it's, you don't really know where to start or how you're going to begin with all of that. 
but you know, at, at that point, I really didn't have anything else to do. I had to find a whole new, you know, life really. Cause I, you know, my friends weren't even the same after that, obviously. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, that was a heck of a kick in the ass, I guess. I will say that it's a pretty amazing group of people. Cause we went and watched a couple weeks before we actually <laughs> did stand up and every single comic is rooting for each other. They're all, they want to see you succeed. And then when we went and did our, uh, you know, the rules and the, the order, which by the way, who does the order? <laughs> I wish I could have gone um, first. Yeah, of course you did. Um, <laughs> no, the, <laughs> well, the, whoever's running the show, they, they wanted me to do it, but I had too much, I was closing out the show. So I really just wanted to get my head right. But uh, my buddy Josh actually made that order up. He was on the show with us that night too. Man, that is like the worst sitting and waiting because you don't sure. really hear anybody else. You're just trying to remember what you're going to say in a few minutes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I understand. I understand completely. Yeah. Well, I had to go last. I think I felt. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Chris, I was, I was curious. Um, I was listening to your story there and you cut out a little bit because of the internet. Oh. What I wanted to know is, did you start comedy when your wife left you for your best friend, or did you start comedy when your best friend left you for your wife? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, that actually happened the same day, as it were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that, that's something like that happens. It's, uh, you might as well take a chance. What the hell's the worst that they're going to do to me? Not laugh? Boo? <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> At least you're not cheating on me. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So have you had that experience where anybody was like, boo, or what was the yeah. worst stand-up experience you've had? Well, I mean, honestly, I, I wouldn't call this the worst experience, but if but this is what you're looking for. So you go to a, you know, you drive two hours to some bar, and I'm the king of the guy that's like, you know, the, the producer's like, man, you should have been here last month packed wall to wall then you know you show up after two hour drive and there's like three people there and it's just miserable um that's hard to do that's hard to do but i've done it um but i think the the story that you're looking for is that uh, my the first person that i ever opened for and that's how this business works if you start out doing open mics and then you get hired to open up for folks uh like at the club like the opening spot's about 10 minutes then the middle spot goes about 25 the headliner goes 45 to an hour so I was a little, I was right around two years in, I think it was 2014. And um, I got called to open for Cat Williams at the, the arena downtown where like the wrestling shows go on, like, you know, the, the damn stadium. So, and I had just, I was oozing with confidence. It was really naivete because I, I, you know, I didn't know that there was no way this was going to work for me because there was just, it's just too, it's just too much. I mean, there's, I walked out, I, I, Hulk, I saw Hulk Hogan wrestle there when I was a kid, okay? <laughs> I was, but I was convinced that my city was going to find out who I was at this moment, you know what I mean? And I even told, I was walking out on stage and there was this uh, little security girl there and I said, watch this. And um, so I go out on stage, there's about 5,000 people out there and uh, they all, they started booing almost immediately. <laughs> I made it to about, I'm, I was supposed to do 15 minutes. And I made it to five minutes before they booed me out of the building. And I'm, and I'm not being hyperbolic there. I left the stage. I went back to my, my dressing room. 
put my water back because clearly I didn't deserve that that night. And I left <laughs> the building. Hell, I left the state. And I'm not joking about this. I left when Cat Williams was on stage. I left and went down to uh, Covington, Kentucky and did another show in front of about 11 people. Did pretty good at that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, when 5,000 people boo you, yikes. That's tough. That makes me want to cry just listening to nah. that story. It's awesome. I mean, that's not the end of it. That happens today. Maybe my ego's too bruised. I never do it again. But at that point, it was like, well, I was bound to get booed at some point. Might as well be In half the damn 5, city. people, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, that's still a success story to me. I did it. I did it long before I was ever qualified to do it. Um, it didn't kill me, just like it didn't kill any of you. And uh, I kept going. It wasn't the last time I did it. I got right back on. And, uh, you know, now I've worked with some really great people. I've headlined my own shows. And uh, this is really the best gift that I've ever been given is to be able to do this. It's truly a, a, an awesome time. I mean, like I said, you set something up and, and, you, and you shoot right there at the target and it knocks right down the way you thought it was going to. How often does that happen in life? And it doesn't happen every time up there either. So, like I said, I was really impressed with, uh, with at least with the three that I saw over at Go Bananas. Congratulations to everybody. Thank you. Thank you. That was so much fun. Now, let me see. Uh, Mer, you're, you're, you said you found another one by your house. So is that the, uh, oh, something, some, uh, is it in Chevy? Is that right? Is, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think I'm going to go to that one. All yeah, right, well, you maybe you've seen it. Dean's Hops and Vines. I did consider not coming back in those few times that I walked out for various reasons. I know, you know? But, you know, I know you did. My car's right there. I could just not go back in. <laughs> I know it. I know it. And it had been that easy, but I know you feel better about yourself just doing it. That, I know you feel better about the situation. Out there, my son was coming in. I was like, oh, damn it. Now he's here. <laughs> you know, I mean, you guys saw my act, uh, and, and that was just a little bit of it. I mean, I really kind of was, was pretty mild that night but uh i've said some truly heinous things with my mother in the audience and you know if you got a good support system it's gonna give you laughter it's good stuff so bill i have a question for you what motivated you to submit this challenge to us uh well like i said uh before i i love comedy and particularly stand-up comedy and um, I am probably your biggest fan of the show. I've uh, listened to every episode multiple times. I know you guys like to do challenging things that get you out of your comfort zone. And I thought, you know, I'll bet there are a few things that would get them farther out of their comfort zone than standing up and telling some jokes in front of a crowd. The thing is, I also, though, I love stand-up comedy. And in particular, I like to pay attention to how different comedians um, make people laugh, how different comedians uh, work and handle their craft. And so, you know, for example, you've got, you've got comedians like Mitch Hedberg. He, he's not a storyteller. He doesn't get up there and tell stories. He tells flat-out jokes. Some of, sometimes they're just two lines, a setup and a punchline, boom. And he's freaking hilarious. And you have other people like Brian uh, Reagan and uh, Mike Berbiglia who, or, or Tig Notaro, who just tell stories. 
they start talking about their life and they find funny things in their life. And that's what they use to make people laugh. Uh, and you have Steve Martin, who, uh, when he started was, I don't know, back in the seventies, I guess, when he had the first ever number one comedy album, the first time a comedy mm -hmm. album has ever made it to number one, uh, was Steve Martin's and he was just a clown. I mean, he got up there and did ridiculous things, but in my opinion, the greatest of them all is Norm Macdonald who made people laugh through all of those different types of comedy. He could tell stories. He could tell old jokes that are some of the most ridiculous jokes you've ever heard in your life and they're ancient and that you already know by the way he told the joke, he made people laugh. So one of the things I was hoping that you guys would, would do is attention to that a little bit and look at it and maybe cause some, uh, be, be a little thought provoking uh, to, to uh, especially some of you who, Mara, I'll be honest with you. I knew you were going to love it. Um, and, and I really guessed that you might do some more. So maybe you can pay attention to how some of them make people laugh and, and incorporate some of those. Your set was great. Um, of course, uh, Sara's was fantastic. And, and, and so was LC's. I, I loved yes. all, all, three of, all three of your uh, sets. It was fantastic. So there's a long answer to your short question. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, along those same lines, do you have any comedians that inspire you or have inspired you? Well, I mean, that's that gives me such a personal question when you when you do it, like, and the time I've done it, because um, I know these people, I know a lot of these people really well, and not only they've inspired me to you know do jokes a certain way or <clears throat> or look at things a certain way, but also just uh, how to carry yourself within the business. Um, I mean, I don't think it's a secret that stand-up comedy as a business is is kind of it, it's full of some un you know unpleasant people, um, but there's real artists in there, and there's a way to do it and be good to people. And I I think those are the folks that inspire me the most or um, kind of direct who I am. Um, I'll give you a name, Chad Daniels. If you don't know who Chad Daniels is. He is a club favorite at Go Bananas. He is someone who um, is pound for pound one of the best in the country. Check out his specials. They're all just fantastic. I, I just couldn't say enough about the guy. So, And that's someone who, you know, isn't necessarily a household name, but he should be. Chad Daniels, Sean Patton. Those are two of my favorite guys that I've ever worked with. Um, and they're just awesome people, too. I'm curious about all the sirens. Who Who's your favorite comedian? You want me to go first? Sure. I knew you would. <laughs> <laughs> John Mulaney. I love the way he tells a story. He's, he's definitely my favorite. My favorite's Mitch Hedberg. And I got to see him twice at Go Bananas before he passed. And he was just, he's so fucking funny. Like, I just, I don't know how he memorizes all those jokes and spouts them all out. And it's flawless every time I saw it. I loved it. You know, he has not uh, written a good joke in years now. If he doesn't get to it, his whole career is going to be over. Oh my God, Bill. That's a dark Too one. Soon. That's a dark one, Bill. <laughs> it's very dark. Too soon. <laughs> what about you, TC? My favorite is Jerry Seinfeld. And it's, it's uh, one of the few TV shows that I can constantly say to people, have you seen that episode? And I do it 
all the time. <laughs> I watch that show every day. You are not wrong. I, he's not he, he's not my favorite stand up anymore, but I still love that show and I think it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, I, I loved his stand up because I love, I mean, it was for everybody. You know, anyone, it was accessible to anybody. You could find something there that you like. Uh, but yeah, man, he's one of the best. And it's still completely relevant. Like, there's so many things that happen in my life. And I'm like, have you seen that episode? Have you seen that Seinfeld episode? Even the, the queen dying. It, there's there's a, there's something about that in a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> you know, Se- oh, yeah. Seinfeld, when he did his stand-up, he was, he was clean. His his stand up, oh, yeah. he didn't do he didn't do any blue work. His his stand up was all clean. Um, Brian Regan is the same way. Uh, yeah. Does a does a great job. Um, and I think both of them were the type of comedian where they didn't make a big deal of the fact that they were clean. They mm-hmm. got up and did their thing, and made everybody laughed. Not that there's anything Wait. wrong with that. Ha! Yes, <laughs> that's great. That's absolutely true, Bill. They don't make a big deal about the fact that they're clean, but they're clean by design. I mean, they're, they really are. They're probably just naturally probably cleaner speaking people than I am. But I mean, they'll both say fuck. They both, I know they both will, but they just won't want to do on stage because they wanted to be back when all they, when they were starting, things were a hell of a lot different. You know, you couldn't just put something out on YouTube. If you wanted people to see you, you had to get three minutes on the Carson show. And then there was no way you could do that without being very clean, network clean. Um, I, I love John Mulaney as well. Um, I would say Brian Regan and Tom Segura, probably some Jim Gaffigan in there because a lot of his jokes are about food and I love food. So Jim Gaffigan's funny. I'd say Segura is probably the best person doing it touring the country right now. Um, he's just doing it at a different level. I, I, but I, w- I wanted to give you guys names that, like I said, you wouldn't necessarily know right off the top of your head. But um, I actually have a couple buddies who opened for Tom on tour, um, and the oh, guy's the guy's top notch. I mean, he's good to his people. He's uh, and boy, is he an entertainer! I could watch his first forty-eight bit over and over and over again. <laughs> I love it so much. I love. Uh, I like all the people that you guys have mentioned. I, I really do like Mitch Hedberg, Phil, and I listened to a lot of that driving in the car. I seem to remember a while back and just, you just cracking up constantly at some of the stuff that he comes up with. And you think, how the hell did he come up with that shit? But I think I, I also really like the storytellers. And sometimes my favorite is the, the last one that we listened to. And we, we listened to it. It was Bill Burr that we were listening to a lot of recently. You know, he just, he's up there and he's just telling a story. And, yeah. and I, I really do like that. It's, it's not a bunch of one-liners, although I do like that. Um, and the, the stories are just so clever in the whole, the, whole, the whole part of the story from beginning to end. And you don't realize where it's going and you don't know that it's funny until you've listened to the whole thing and then it's just hilarious. Yeah. And I know it's funny because I don't fall asleep while I'm watching it. And I'm waking Bill up. Hey, did you catch that? That's when I know it's funny if I can stay awake. <laughs> so, Bill, have you thought about doing your five minutes and what you're going to say when it's your turn? You know, I, I've thought many times about uh, putting something together and getting up 
and and doing five minutes. I, I just never have uh, done it. Typically, I'm trying to entertain folks around me um, if I'm going to be doing it. But uh, I, I was actually giving it some serious thought and I was bouncing some stuff off of Sarah and said, you know, hey, if I get up and do my five minutes, this is what I'm thinking about doing to, to start out. I don't want to give it away because uh, I don't want any guys stealing this genius idea that I have. But, um, you know, so, sorry, I was, I've been bouncing a few things off Sarah. So I may do it at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I know my husband has been running ideas past me ever since, and it really wants to get up. And some of the jokes are good, and some of them he's, like, telling a story, and then all of a sudden he's like, and ball gag. And I'm like, I don't even understand the connection there. What is going on? Like, please don't say that. <laughs> I'll see saying, don't you get up there and embarrass me. Exactly. <laughs> I, like, I don't understand where that even came from. He's like, it makes sense. I'm like, no, I'm not in your head, and it doesn't make sense. <laughs> All gag. It's good. I'm just going to throw that word out every once in a while now. <laughs> what's, what's the word? What are you guys even saying? Ball? We'll tell you later. Tracy, you yeah, know we'll you exactly. Tracy, you know exactly what they're talking about. I don't want to hear you pretending like you're innocent. Ball gag. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Whatever. Chris, do you have any advice for someone who would like to follow in your footsteps? Well, it starts by going out and seeing a show. Go out and watch a show. Become a student. Um, and, you know, Sora, one of the things you touched on is, you know, it, it was, specials are great. It'll show you who you should go see, but you really need to go out and see a show because you all know it's different when you're there. It's different when you're in the audience and you're part of it. There's a different energy when you're in that room. So go out, see a show. <clears throat> Start going to open mics. Okay, so start by seeing shows that are good, okay, and then start going to open mics, because when you go to a mic, and, and you know, you guys were at a club open mic, that, that's an open mic, yes, I mean, I, I did two jokes that, that were new that uh, didn't really work all that great, quite frankly, uh, but I'm still working on them, so um, see, when you go to an open mic, you're going to see people of all different skill level, um, some stuff's going to be really good, and some stuff's going to be like, well, I can, I know I can do that. I know I can do at least that. And then you just start, just like I said, just be a student and keep your eyes and ears open. Uh, I mentioned uh, Norm MacDonald. I think he's one of the greatest comedians that's ever been alive. And so consequently, now that he's dead, I've been seeking out material and uh, YouTube is one of the greatest things in the world for that. But the cool thing that I've noticed is I've listened to hours upon hours upon hours of his stand-up comedy and of interviews. And I have found some of his jokes that I believe are just stellar, uh, the, some of the greatest jokes in the world. And then I've listened to them when he was formulating them. In an early interview, he threw out these jokes in the interview and it was funny, but it didn't quite work. And then I listened to an interview that was maybe a year later. He throws the same joke out and it's a little bit better. And by the time he did some of his stand-up, and, and Sarah and I have seen him uh, live as well, those jokes were perfect. The wording was perfect. The inflection, the timing was perfect. But it all started way back years ago where he threw it out in the middle of an interview and just kept thinking about it, working it, kind of what Chris was talking about. You know, you, you cut, all the, cut all the fat off of it and you get it down to the bare joke and then build it back up. 
and it's it's amazing. Um, I've absolutely loved being able to listen to Norm McDonald building some of those jokes to get them where they are, and uh, it, just simple words can make all the difference in the in in the world on whether a joke's funny or not. A choice of a word. So Elsie, Sarah, and I all went to go bananas a couple weeks before we actually went on stage to do our stand up, and we went sort of we did some to do some recon. And what we learned was that everyone is human. Everyone who's there is there to support someone who's up there like putting themselves out there. That is a scary thing to do. And I think it's very brave and the world needs people to make them laugh anyway. So superheroes, um, like Bill said in his challenge, but it, what it taught me was that it's okay. If I fail, people are still there to support you. People, it's a very positive environment. It felt very welcoming. Is it like that everywhere, Chris, or was it just a good night at go bananas? I can't say that it's like that everywhere. Um, I will say that I'm a bit biased towards our Cincinnati stand-up comedy scene. I think that we really do try and foster that environment. Um, go bananas, especially. Uh, but, you know, I think generally speaking, comics speak comic and um, we all kind of are somewhat bound together by that, that bit of that struggle. And everybody knows how that feels going up there for the first time, for the last time. You know, it's it's uh, it's nerve wracking. And uh, yeah, man, it, it's not always going to be supportive. Um, it's very competitive what we're doing here as well. So. I think it's changed. I do think that nowadays it is better um, across the board. There's more inclusion. There's more people rooting each other on. So, I mean, I, I hope that's where that's what you always experience. Well, I don't know if we just all got really lucky with what we chose, but um, I feel like we definitely were all, um, we all had a very good experience and it could have been very different, I think. And so I think it turned out really well for everybody. So good job for uh, being challenged and accepting the challenge and finding the right places to um, do our challenges, I think. And uh, I think that was great, Mur, that you found uh, the perfect place for us to do this. I mean, that was, that was tough to get up there on stage. And Chris, thanks for all the help that you gave us. That was great. My pleasure, guys. My pleasure. So Mur, Mur just brought up about uh, that we went... Uh, two weeks before, uh, before they actually did the routine. And, and I went along as well. And so I was going to tell this story earlier tonight. We're, we're sitting there and uh, I was told uh, that, that Murray do a set that night. And uh, then they said, oh, this is him now. And this big uh, burly guy with this long beard and hair down the middle of his back, it looked like he rode in on a Harley without a helmet and the hair was all tangled and, just this big burly guy and he gets up and he starts telling this routine about taking a shower and slinging hair against the shower stall and, and all of that. And that was Murr's friend. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. And it was a good set. We applaud and everything. Then two weeks later, we come back so that the, so that the ladies can do their set. And, and, uh, uh, Siren Sara's brother was there, my brother-in-law. And, uh, then this guy gets up and he's got a nice trimmed beard. He's doing his set and his hair is trimmed and combed back. And he starts doing some of the same jokes. I lean over to tell my brother-in-law, I said, this dude stole all these jokes. 
from a big burly guy that was here two weeks ago. And, and then in short order, I realized you had just gone and gotten yourself cleaned up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely is a different your, look. Is your hair long? Is it pulled back or did you get it all cut off? What's no, I got it all. I got everything cut oh. off. Yeah, it just took a while. Uh, I couldn't get an appointment for a while. I had to go to Key West with all that on my on my face. So I got yeah, like a big, for, uh, but it didn't got a big white triangle look. here. So then he's telling the joke about the long hair, uh, but he's got really short hair now. Well, when you met me, I didn't have I, I didn't have long hair. I used to have it long, and I pulled up into a bun. Yeah, but, I uh, thought that the geez. joke about the long hair was from the ex-wife. It was her hair. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. There's there's different layers to the joke. <laughs> <laughs> So many but letters. uh yeah T tc he looked like a completely different guy two weeks later and he got yeah. they're doing the same jokes and you know my my slow uh wit took me a couple moments to realize it's the same dude you know just perfecting <laughs> his uh his when we went and did our recon i think there was like what one female comic and a bunch of dudes um, and then when we yeah. went two weeks later I think there was only one other girl and then three sirens. Mm -hmm. Is that yeah. how it typically is? When I did online with TC today, I think there were, it was almost 50-50 females and males, but, but we had people from like Japan, Ireland, the UK. I mean, they were all over the world. But mm -hmm. in the Cincinnati scene, is it pretty typical where you don't have very many females? Well, no, it's not. Well, here's the thing. Across the board, men have done this more than women from from the beginning now there are a whole lot more women doing it now and doing it at a very high level like nothing but respect truly but there's i think a lot of times too this isn't this is a grind and it's a thankless grind and a lot of times you know you you come to a point where you're sort of playing off and it feels like you're losing ground um and that can be hard on anybody i i, I just don't i mean I think men are a little more desperate a lot of times to stick around a little bit more, uh, <laughs> but uh, they're, they're, they're just less women that are trying it, but to begin with, but I tell you, um, anytime there's a woman that's funny, they're going to get a ton of work because it, it's always needed. I mean, you want, you want the lineup as diverse as you can possibly make it right. So that the audience can be everybody. Mm -hmm. This there is my go, time. Man. This is my time to break into stand-up comedy. No doubt. Get girl. <laughs> there you go. Have you been a mentor? So basically, to... I, I've I've done comedy all around the world now. Oh my god, yeah, you, you go. have. Thanks. Yeah, you're. I, I really you're have. Five minute world tour. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> around the world in five minutes. Yeah. Wow. That's there's a drinking game at Epcot for that, I think. <laughs> Chris, have you been a mentor to any other comedians? I mean, I wouldn't. I oof, I, I wouldn't. Uh, you wouldn't recommend I I anyone. I, like... I, I I don't think that I would ever call myself a mentor in any way. Um, I can. I, I'll give advice anytime I can. But, you know, advice is you take it with a grain of salt. You, you, I've had plenty of people give me advice and some of it was worthwhile and some of it you knew coming out of their mouth is like, that is 
dog shit advice. And also, I've never <laughs> seen I've never seen you work anywhere. So, you know, um, I wouldn't call myself a mentor, but I think you kind of always want to help out the people that are starting, just getting started. You never know who's going to be the next big thing who you might need to, you know, who you know you might be opening for someday. And uh, there's that, there's that uh, saying, you know, it's, uh, was it the, uh, the, the hands or the feet you step on on the way up the ladder are connected to the ass that you're going to kiss on the way back down the ladder. <laughs> and that's, it's an important thing. And I don't think that there's any industry where that could be more true than stand-up comedy. Well, we want to leave our listeners with a challenge this week. And I bet that you're going to have a hard time guessing what it is. So I'm just going to come out with it. We would like you to do five minutes of stand-up comedy somewhere. Find a club that has an open mic night or even join an open mic comedy event online like TC and Justin. Just do it and then tell us all about it by using the hashtag Siren Soapbox on all the social medias. Bill, thank you again for this challenge. It was the time of my life. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Thank you. And Chris, thanks for coaching us through this and Get, helping to get us on stage at Go Bananas. Do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, on like Instagram and all that at Chris Seamer Comedy. My last name is S-I-E-M-E-R. Um, I run a, a show usually every month at a brewery here in Cincinnati, and I'm basically all around town, so or in all through the Midwest for the most part. So come see a show live. And that brewery Go in see Cincinnati. a show live. Yeah. That brewery in Cincinnati is Deadlow, right? Deadlow Brewing. Yeah. All right. Sirens, what a fun challenge. Thank you for sharing your stories. And thank you, fellow explorers, for listening to this episode. You'll be able to find YouTube or find videos of a few of us, at least, performing stand-up routines on our YouTube channel. And you can find the link to those YouTube videos from our website, sirensoapbox.com. Please rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening. It will help new explorers find the show. And until next time, dive in, stay curious, be happy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Siren Soapbox. And a special thank you to C-Strings for providing our music. Snag their latest EP from iTunes today. Follow the Sirens on all the social medias. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time on another episode of Siren Soapbox.